Donkey Kong Classics. What's more fun than a barrel of monkeys? A Donkey Kong double feature. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. And guys, today we are talking about DKC, not Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong Classics. For the first time ever, Donkey Kong and DK Jr. together. Except for they were together in Donkey Kong Jr., but one of them was in jail because of Mario or Jumpman or actually his name was Mario in that one, not Jumpman like it was in Donkey Kong and Jumpman and Mario were in both of them. And now it's just the same games put on Donkey Kong. You guys get the idea, right? Yeah. It's easy to follow. So what you're saying, what you're saying is that there are two games on this cartridge, two games in one, Sean. That's insane. For the, for the same value. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I, I remember Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. both pretty well. And when I started up this game, I was kind of surprised to see that the menu had changed. Yeah, the, the menu is very different now. And and maybe we could just, like, talk about that. Well, it's got one of the, like, the classic uh, color gamuts here. Like, you've got uh, sort of like a dark blue or, or like a deep blue and a sort of pinkish red um for the title itself and you got black and white outline and then white text and like a lighter blue for um some less important text so i think it's it's a it's a really good it's it's a really good palette to work with now do you think that that light blue with the the dark blue is a solid blue dark background and then the light blue has, like, the copyright information for Nintendo and the game that's not currently selected. Do you think that that's just a little too close in color for each other? Um, I, I think that the, the, the color, the color's fine. I think what, what it says politically, though, is wrong. <laughs> I, I think that it, it's, it's actually, I feel like it's deliberately close in color, because it's like the, it's the, the game that you don't have selected. So it's supposed to sort of like blend into the background a little more. You don't know. You're not supposed to, it's not supposed to, be, supposed to be as prominent as the one that you do have selected. Right. And, and you know, this kind of, this is going to get me into a big rant, but I feel like we need to talk about this, is that in the original Black Box NES games, first off, there were never solid blue backgrounds. I don't know why Nintendo all of a sudden got crazy here and made a colored background. They were always solid black. That's why we call them the Black Box games, right? Indeed. Yeah, we actually call them the black box games because the boxes are black, Sean. That was a test. But uh, on top of that, you would hit the select button to change modes in those because they always had like one player game A, one player game B, two player game A, etc. You know, so you would hit the select button to change between those modes. However, in this menu, you just hit the up and down arrows to select your mode and you hit the select button to change which game you want to be playing now what really makes that troublesome for someone like me is that i never understood the function of the select button anyway you weren't selecting your choice that's what the start button is for you see the select button is more like an 
options button to, to shuffle through the options that are available to you. So when you go from game A to game B, when you hit select, you're really not saying, I want to play game A. You're saying, I would like to select the next option. So why why do you think the NES controller has a select button? Well, well I think it's weird just that they're using it in... I know it's weird that they've used it at all, but it's weird that they're using it in this if they're using up and down to sl- to go up and down... Why aren't they using left and right to go left and right? Joe, that's blowing my mind. And, and I feel like that's why, you know, may, maybe a lot of people didn't buy this game because there's too much of a barrier to entry. Like, you have to be a computer whiz to figure out how to operate it. Well, to be fair, they, they put that in the manual. You know, like, they do explain how to choose all this stuff there. So, thankfully, if you, if, <laughs> as long as you can read. Nobody wants to read that thing. Joe, I just tested the game, and if uh, you press left or right on the main menu, it does go between Donkey Kong and Donkey oh, it Kong does. Jr. So, so the select it button... It does do left and right. Does the select button also do that? It very well may. I did not test that. I just wanted to make sure I could tell if you were wrong. Great. Well, I appreciate um, I appreciate that. Well, I was only going off of what Mike had just said, that select s- switches between Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., and then up and down switches between game A and game B. And you know what? I actually I also just checked, and the select button does do that as well. But I wanted to make sure that we were one hundred percent correct. But if you ask me, like why this system has a select button, I I don't know because I usually see the position that that button is placed. Uh, that that button is only for sharing gameplay footage, and I guess like <laughs> they just decided that they didn't want to do that with the NES and maybe this game specifically. Um, but every other game that I've played, that that button is just for taking screenshots and 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 streaming on Twitch. That's that's true. And you know, another thing that I'm noticing now that I look at this menu screen a little more is that Donkey Kong, they, the O's in Donkey Kong have the stars from the uh, from the arcade cabinet logo for Donkey Kong, and that's pretty nice. I always thought that, that was a little presumptuous, like. You know, I didn't play this on the arcade cabinet, so why is it trying to force that aesthetic choice on me? Well, well, here's here's my theory on that. If you if you go back to the original Donkey Kong for the NES menu screen, there's no star in the actual title, but the the cursor that indicates which game mode you've selected is an asterisk. Okay, mm. so I think when Donkey Kong Junior came out. They brought in a new asterisk, a yellow one instead of a blue one. So they retired the original asterisk and put a star in the junior to represent that original asterisk. And now because I think in this me, one, there are two stars, one representing the original Donkey Kong, one representing Donkey Kong Jr., and then a new asterisk representing this union. Yeah, that, that's actually uh, a very insightful look at that, but... To me, like whatever symbolism and allegory it has in its typography, all I can see is the O's look too much like A's and it looks like it says Dinky Kang Classics. I would agree with that if there were any other O's on this screen that didn't have the star, I would agree that that would be a little confusing. Thankfully, the only O's on the screen also have the stars and there's an A in Classics that shows us the difference between like what an A in this typeface looks like versus an O. Right, I, I agree if, you, if you're if you thinking about it that much, but to Sean's point, it could also be another like barrier to entry. People don't know what game they're playing because they, cause they once they get, they don't even get to the word classics. 
But by the time they read Donkey yeah. Kong, they're not sure what those letters are, and they they turn it off. I'm already I'm already out. Like they've lost me once I've read those first two words. Really, anyone who doesn't have a law degree can't play this game because there's so many trademarks and reserves and copyrights. It's true. They're, it's intimidating. It's, it's, I think this is also the end user license agreement like for the yeah. game. Well, because I also wonder, like when I look at the screen, like will, will I go to jail if I play this game? Like I don't. It's registered trademark. Can I play it? You can't actually display these things on your television without the express written consent of Nintendo. Gotcha. They usually say stuff like that in the on the manual anyway at the end. There's like a whole thing, a final page of like, don't put this on a chair. Uh, <laughs> don't leave this on for more than 50 minutes. There's a whole set of like rules that you legally agree to uh, when you buy these games. <laughs> I forgot about not leaving it on yeah. chairs. Well, because someone could sit on it. It's true. Right, it's right. true. Exactly. Uh, well, one nice thing about the this menu, though, is that so there is a there is a box or a frame around Donkey Kong Donkey Kong Classics, and it would have been really easy for them to just make a rectangular box. Like, fine, easy. No one probably would have complained. But they really went. They got those divots. Yeah, though. they went the extra mile. And since Donkey Kong, those two words together are longer than the word classics, they made a longer portion of the box to to fit Donkey Kong than classics, which really just shows like how much care went into this game. Because I know anyone who's used Microsoft Paint or Photoshop or anything knows that it's really easy to just grab that rectangle tool and make a perfect regular rectangle. And if you didn't want to, like, put in the extra work, you just sure. leave it at that. Sure, Joe. I mean, I, you, it's true. This is better than just a rectangle. But uh, I, from my point of view, they shouldn't have been... They shouldn't have been boxing this in any way. Uh, but you know what? Be a man and make a drop shadow. You know? It doesn't have to have a box surrounding the letters. Just let the letters stand with a drop shadow. Yeah, it is hard to see the letters a little bit with that red against blue. Yeah, I mean, again, it's one of the, the classic color palettes of our time, but you're right, it does make it hard to see. Right. Do you guys think they're assuming too much here, though, by having Donkey Kong be selected first? Like, automatically, if you don't know that you can select Donkey Kong Jr., you might think that you only bought Donkey Kong. Right, and and I have no idea how you select Donkey Kong Junior Math. It's not even clear. It's not in the manual. That, that you know what? That's something I wanted to get into. Uh, when it's Donkey Kong Classics, and there's no Donkey Kong Three, and there's no Donkey Kong Junior Math, this is an incomplete. This is an incomplete collection. Right. No Donkey Kong or Country. They're saying those aren't the classics. Uh, and they they very well may be saying that, but who gave them the right to say what is and is not a Donkey Kong classic? Right. The fans should have to say, should have their say. You know, this is just a, a minor nitpick thing, but it's bothering me now. Did you guys notice that one player, one player, two player, two player, the way it's structured on game A, game B, game A, game B, those are not, those are like one word, whereas game A and one player are all separately spaced with appropriate spacing. One player does not have a space between one and the P in player. Yeah, that is interesting. I actually haven't noticed that, but I'll never unsee that now. Yeah, I I don't like that, um, but I think the biggest crime, and while it may be like this in other games, um, I still think it should be one player game A and then two player game A and then one player game B and two player game B. I think it should be separated by the by the game type. And not by how many players. And why did they just stop at A and B? They could have went all the way to Z. 
Right, right. And it's like they could have just done A, B, C, and D, and then you have to figure out for yourself, you know, make it a little more of a challenge for the player to figure out if it's going to be one player or two player and which game it's going to be. Or there could be no menu at all and would just randomly drop you into any assortment of games. Oh, I like that. Kind of like a uh, like Togepi's metronome move. From Pokemon, for those, of you, oh. for those of you that don't Everyone know. Knows. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to harp on the menu for too much longer. But just looking at the Donkey Kong Classics typeface again, since Sean really opened my eyes to this. You know, does anyone else think that the L on Classics is just a little, little thin and longer than all of the other spacings on any of the other letters? I'm. I didn't notice the thin, but I definitely think it's like taller. No, no, no. It's not taller, but I it's it's the the bottom part of the L is actually longer than the rest of them. It takes up too much space. It's terrible kerning. Kerning, <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. So honestly, this is, you know, this this is the best of times, the worst of times on this menu right. Well, now. the I think the Because I can't get over the colors are just so great <laughs> though. But the one thing that we're all missing here is that if, speaking of the colors, the background color, if you look at the negative space between the E and the Y, it's a backwards F. So <laughs> is, is that telling you that like this game is going to be like an F grade or is it going to be like fantastic? Maybe it's saying that like, this game is fantastic. And and how Japanese of them to just in, you know, the way they're centering the font, the ass in classics is like front and center. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely there's definitely some like hidden yeah innuendos there. Joe, you had mentioned you know at the closer to the top of the show about the the blue star and the yellow star that uh, or asterisks whatever that select the game mode for you. Mm-hmm. And you know, do you ever think we'll see the yellow asterisk in like Super Smash Brothers as a character? I think it's already an item. Well, I I think that the the yellow asterisk has become is actually the angry son in in Super Mario Brothers 3. I think that's where it ended up. That makes sense. That I that works out for me and I I appreciate you adding that to the Super Mario lore. Right. Yeah. I mean I, I just assumed that everyone kind of like figured. It's never been like explicitly stated, but it's like look at it. It's an aster- it's a yellow asterisk. Now, do you think that there's any significance to how many points are on the asterisk because there's 8? And usually when I see an asterisk, I see maybe six. Is there is there some numerology happening here? Like, uh, is this is this point to how many games Donkey Kong will eventually be in uh, or how many they plan? Well, the, you know, the NES is an eight bit system, oh. so they could only they could only hold up to eight directions on the You're asterisk. Right. You're right. I forgot. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Instead of six, which they would, would have tried to do if they had enough. Mm hmm. Right, if they were 16-bit. Um, right, then there's a 6 in the number, so then they can do 6. Obviously, yeah. Uh, but but another thing about the asterisk I'm actually just noticing now is that it's really just sort of like, if you look at all the, the, the two vertical points and the two horizontal points, they're connected to the center, but the, the, the diagonal points are just kind of tacked on, almost like they're behind it. So is it even really an asterisk, or is it like, yeah, is it like a star and then an X behind it? I think it's saying that it's it's actually taking uh, a religious stance. Exactly. Well, you know that guy on YouTube, that guy on YouTube who like 
boundary breaks the games. Yeah. I think we need to do like a Donkey Kong Classics boundary break yeah, and see, see what's behind the asterisk. How much depth there really is in there. And I bet you, honestly, I bet you like if we if we start doing that, we'll notice that like the P in player is is really small but close to the camera and the L is like gigantic but really far away from the camera. You know, once you shift it, it's a whole different picture. Well, well, now now that I'm looking at it, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on the asterisk until we can actually get some research. But um, if if you look at it, um, if you squint just a little bit, it's actually a picture of a windmill, the like the back side of a windmill. Oh, yeah. Um, because yeah, because you can see the uh, like the the center pole and that that square shaped thing in the middle. That's that's the the building itself, and then you know the uh, diagonal lines. That's the those are the the blades of the windmill. Uh, that would make a lot of sense because wasn't there? Isn't there like some theory? Isn't there something where the character of Donkey Kong is based on Don Quixote? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Last thing on the asterisk, and then and then we're moving off of this. But you know, because it has eight points and everything, do you think that that could just be like? the spider's legs and that's a spider and maybe that's the spider that like bit peter parker and turned him into spider-man now, here's why i don't think that's the case and that's because most spiders don't have legs that come out of their face and in whatever in whatever like uh direction that this spider may be facing uh one of its legs would have to be coming out of its face if that were a spider you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, that's true, actually, because it's one that's facing directly forward. But if it were true, it would be kind of interesting because, Sean, you keep talking about this unique color palette, red and blue. That's Spider-Man's color. That's his color. those are the right? colors of Spider-Man, yeah. So, I mean... Now, what I did not say red and blue. I said, like, an off-red. It's more of, like, a pinkish red, which is not Spider-Man. Um... It's more. It's more a uh, a color associated with crazy quilt. So I think it may it, it may be like a cross uh, a cross promotion between DC and Marvel. That that's fair. Unless it's um kind of more based on the uh, like the Sam the first Sam Raimi film where he's wearing that like those like pajama Spider Man. I feel like it's closer to those colors than his actual Spider Man suit. It's very it's very possible. I just don't see it uh, like in the canon. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Now, had the had the game not been called Donkey Kong Classics, what what would you have called it that you think would maybe fit better within the the realm and uh, design constraints of this menu? Spider Man Four. Yeah, I see. Like you could say that. I I wouldn't say that. Um, I would. Pr- but you could. You could say that. You could put those syllables together and say those words. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't, because here's what I would call it. I would call it, I would, I would, you know, because two games, it's Donkey Kong, it's Donkey Kong Jr. I would make a portmanteau of those two games and call it Donkey Kong Jr. Oh, oh I like that. Yeah. 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 And for anybody keeping score at home, the red in Donkey Kong Classics is actually um, hashtag D33355. And the blue is color hashtag 2300B7. Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to legally give out those hexadecimal values. No, no, but, no, but yeah, we're going to have to cut that. Yeah, but now you can now you can picture it. 
But I think to Joe's point, it would help you picture it better had you have known those hex values. That's true. Yeah, it's. I, I do have a. You, everybody can kind of translate hex value to color in their head. Yeah, that's how that's how seeing works. You know, Joe, that is a good point um, that that's what seeing is for. And, you know, speaking of just seeing the menu, there's also like an entire game here just beyond the menu. There's two, actually. You're right. Wait. There's Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. Donkey Kong Jr. Yes. Now, how do these games hold up for you, Sean? Um, I mean, they... <laughs> I remember when we when we did our very intimate donkey kong sessions just you and i um i i can't even remember what our verdict was on on how they on how they they handle today um but they play exactly the same there's absolutely no difference um in fact i remember when we were talking about the omission of one of the donkey kong levels we thought it was just because you know there's not enough space on the the rom um, but the fact that they could squeeze in Donkey Kong Jr. on this thing makes me very much doubt that. Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement with you there. I'm kind of surprised that they would uh, bring Donkey Kong exactly the same here, put Donkey Kong Jr. on it, and still not give us the Pie Factory level. Yeah. So, I mean, it actually makes me more angry at this game for not being complete it, it's funny too because I, I always thought that too that it's like just it was just a space issue but then we just think about all of the other like hundreds of games we're playing they all fit more on it than like what seems to exist in these three levels of donkey kong so now that i think about it why would i have ever thought that what like why did i ever think that well you know why because it it, it would you're putting good faith in nintendo here but they don't care because they made this they released this version of Donkey Kong back in 1983 as the very first game for the Famicom and Donkey Kong Jr was the other launch title for the Famicom so when you have two launch title Famicom games you bring them over to North America and you change nothing about them and then you re-release them together and say okay but we're still going to leave them exactly the same the only person you're helping there is the person who got screwed over the first time when they bought Donkey Kong, so they don't feel inclined to buy this classic version. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the the fact that there is nothing added uh, makes me wonder, like, what the point was. Um, if it's just if it's the equivalent of games going on sale and you get two for one because they're so old now, maybe I. But I, I guess I I don't really know aside from maybe this being bundled. Yeah, I, I think of bundling it is like kind of the best way that I that I can think of it. I mean, if you think about it, we I'm sure like everybody that you've ever met has once owned Super Mario Duck Hunt. 
Like, right? Like, I, everybody had that somewhere, Super Mario slash Duck Hunt. And I just felt like that was just such a normal thing. I was like, yeah, it's, that's, it, it made sense. Even though I never really thought about it, it made sense. Yeah, you just put two games together that are really popular. Um, so maybe it was just like they knew people would buy this bundled together, you know? I think I think it's a smart move uh, to bundle the games, especially something like Donkey Kong, which was huge in the arcades when it came out. Another thing that we're not really considering, and I'm going to continue to seesaw my opinion on this as I go on, but Donkey Kong is the big Nintendo name right now in terms of, like, mascot characters, right? Super Mario Brothers took off in 1985 and everything, but Donkey Kong is, like, what really started... Nintendo on this hot track of video games, and it's only once like Mario continues to have a success with Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers Three and Super Mario World, like you know he be- he becomes the face. But Donkey Kong is like the start of everything, and Mario is just a character in that universe. Now it's almost like this release of Donkey Kong Classics is supposed to usher in like the oh, but don't forget about our mascot Donkey Kong. Like we want everyone, you know, brand awareness and everything. And that makes sense, but then they go on to never release another Donkey Kong game until Donkey Kong 94. Yeah, this seems to be the last gasp of Donkey Kong as the as the mascot. Um but but beyond that, um they're not doing they're not putting their all into saving him, you know? You'd think that they would Yeah, make it a almost feels game. like Right, it feels like you would want this Donkey Kong Classics, you would want like Super Mario Classics, in which we get, like, Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 2, the Japan one, on the same cart. And that's how you, like, alleviate the stress of buying, like, Super Mario Brothers 2 Japan. You know, instead, we get Super Mario Brothers 2 here uh, later on this year, and what would be referred to as Super Mario Brothers USA moving forward. But I feel like that would have been an appropriate way to introduce the Japanese version of Super Mario Brothers 2 to this American audience is by bundling it with Super Mario Brothers 1, it's this way it's like you get the game you love plus a brand new version of that same game, whereas Donkey Kong Classics isn't really offering any kind of Yeah, like, there's no additional incentive. value here. If you, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you already own the games, there's no reason to buy this. So, Joe, you weren't on the Donkey Kong episode, but how do you feel about, like, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr.'s I mean, video games? On one level, as, like, uh, you know, as playing it on an NES and... and it being very obvious that this is an older arcade game, I think that shows to me a lot. This this doesn't feel like if I had no nostalgia for for uh, Donkey Kong in the arcade, I don't think I'd be that interested after playing it on the NES. But then, even I think as an arcade game, just my personal preference, I've always thought it was a little more popular than it is good. At least in in my opinion, I mean, it's it's fine. I know you guys really liked it a lot on the episode, if I remember correctly. I, I think it's it's fine. It's fun. It's a game. It operates. It's historically it's very important. But I I just always think that like it's it, I I it doesn't stand out to me. Got it. I I think I'll say that Donkey Kong Junior is not getting better as I continue to play more video games. <laughs> <laughs> but Donkey Kong has always had like a soft spot for me, and maybe it's just because I played it early on in my life that I still enjoy it. However, I do have one very specific nitpick about Donkey Kong here, and that is. That they're in the NES version specifically, not the arcade. There just seems to be a like muscle memory error in me that causes me to miscount the number of climbs on a ladder 
And I always seem to like just be one too short before I like am able to move left or right before uh, before I'm actually able to. Yeah, I did the exact same thing. I was just stuck on that, uh, just hovering above the ladder, acting like I was still on it, and a barrel was coming right from my face. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Uh, just to give you a little development thing here, in an early issue of Nintendo Power, uh, they referenced the return of Donkey Kong, which is the name of the video game. And there's like a little teaser about it. We'll link to it in the show notes. This is not that return of Donkey Kong game. Or is it? <laughs> See, I would argue that this is the return of Donkey Kong game and that they were never working on, like, a Donkey Kong 4 or a new version of Donkey Kong and that the return of Donkey Kong was just teasing the Donkey Kong Classics thing and maybe Nintendo of America, who works on Nintendo Power, just didn't get the memo that this is what it was going to become. But I do think hyping up a return of Donkey Kong and not getting the Donkey Kong game I pitched back on the Donkey Kong 3 episode, which is finally being able to control Donkey Kong and fight uh, Mario that way, which would have been an amazing game, to never get that and to have this instead be the return of Donkey Kong, it it, it hurts. No, I was just going to say, I think like for us looking at it now, or at least for me looking at it now, it seems so much more, so much less of a big deal because it's like, yeah, a bunch of these things exist from the past. But but you know, if you if you do think about it in the lens of like you are a Donkey Kong fan in the in the 80s and you're waiting for this new game to come out and then the new game is just the old game, I can see why that is like a much bigger deal than like now just being like, "Oh, why is this bundled?" Well, I mean, I also don't think that as as much as we've kind of messed around, I I don't think that anyone was fooled. By this, I, I don't think that there was an announcement and lots of anticipation <laughs> about these two games on the same cart. Um, right. But it just seems odd that this would be the business decision, but un- unless it was bundled with the console. Yeah, it feels like you would want to at least include Donkey Kong 3, but they were smart enough not to <laughs> include that, thankfully, because I hate that game. Yeah. You know, this was just making me think about something that's pretty, uh, it's having a moment in the video game industry since at least uh, the tail end of the, or maybe the, sorry, the beginning of the PS4, Xbox One generation of consoles. And that's that whole, like, remake, remaster, re-release trend of video games that we that we always see. What Where do you guys, like find yourself in the mix of all these things are remakes okay are remasters preferred 
Do you even pick up games that are just straight re-releases? I'm thinking about like that Mafia trilogy that just got announced and was released like simultaneously. And that's like the weird mix of like one game is a straight up re-release. The other one's a remaster and the first one's a remake. Like that is super strange, right? We never really see something like that. Yeah, but I think it's super interesting and I'm not for or against one over the other. Um, I think that there are a lot of remakes that have uh, done good by its source material. Um, There are a lot that have completely just wasted it. Like I remember uh, there was a game from the nineties syndicate, which was like a tac not tactics. It was like a, a squad based shooter. And then syndicate comes out on in like, PS3, Xbox 360 generation, and it's just another uh, FPS game. So that was a remake that nobody asked for and nobody liked. Um, but it um, you can also ruin remasters. Like when uh, Silent Hill 2 and 3 were released together, that sounded like the perfect thing for me to buy on the newer systems, but they they actually messed those games up. These They are objectively worse than their original. So I think like it really depends on why the why the games are being remastered. Is it because the developers think that they deserve better fidelity or is it because they're trying to make a quick buck? So um I, I kind of have a, a muddled opinion on them all. Yeah, I got it. And Joe, Joe, I just would love to hear before sure. you dive deeper. I'd love to hear your thoughts on just like what counts as a re-release for you, what counts as a remaster, and what counts as a well, remake. So my the way I always looked at it uh, was that a remaster is is if something is taken it, the original files, the original game is taken and maybe upresed, and maybe a few little like interface details are added, and it's it's made compatible with like the current generation I, that could not be the actual definition but that's what i always assumed uh i would yeah. agree with whereas that. a remake is like either taking the original game and using it as your as your roadmap to make the game again now with the current technology like the crash bandicoot insane trilogy which is literally just the original games now with better graphics a little better controls and you know a few other little things added to it but it's like clearly a game that was made from scratch or something like the Ratchet and Clank uh, remaster of the original game, which I'm sorry, remake of the original game, which is really what I would not to add too many re words into it, but what I would consider more of a reimagining, where it's here's a new origin story with some references to the original, but it's a completely new game. Um, See, I would just call that a remake, but. But did, but didn't we say that uh, Crash Bandicoot is also a remake where it is the original game? I thought that was your definition of a remaster. If I said that, then I I I, I meant a re- remaster being like if you were to take Crash Bandicoot on the PS One, take that exact game and upres it. Whereas mm. remake being you take that game and use it as your roadmap to make the game again with like all new assets. Yeah. Or a remake, I think, would also be to like. A remake is, I think, like a reimagining also is like a, a, a subset of a remake, which is like just my own arbitrary definition. But no, I understand. Right, I, I see what you're um, saying, Joe. So then it's, it's worth asking: like, is is Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes a remake of Metal Gear Solid One, or is it its 
own game because it differentiates itself enough, similar to like the new Final Fantasy VII remake. You know, I haven't played it, but if the source material is is different enough, is it a remake or is it a reimagining, like a new category of they, things? They're both remakes, and I think that there are two different flavors. There's the remake, which is like, well, it may not be the same code, like a remaster. It 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 hits the same beats. It plays in, a, in the same genre, uh, with maybe one system fiddled with. And then there's the more uh, there's the more uh, full makeover sort of remake where it may even change genres, like as long as it it it, it has enough borrowed from the original, it, it it still qualifies as a remake to me. So Sean, that checks out for me, and and this is this is just a test of your opinions and stuff. So I, I just want to hear your your true input on this, but like. So for Final Fantasy VII switching from turn-based to ARPG, right? Like, mm-hmm. say Fire Emblem did that with, like, an older entry in their strategy RPG, but now they made it more like a action-adventure-style game where they still followed the same, the same characters and plot and, and those things happen, but now it happened under a completely different genre of video games. Would you still put that in the remake territory? I say I would. I'm just wondering where you would think about that something like that it's that's very interesting because they are both games that much of their identity comes from the the systems the gameplay systems and maybe not not just the story or not just the setting but final fantasy as a series used to be the typical turn-based uh each uh, both of you stand on different sides of the room and take turns hitting each other sort of thing like that was that was just as descriptive of Final Fantasy as Cloud Strife and Midgar were, um, but over time the series changed. It uh, there were different battle systems, and now like Final Fantasy uh, can be any number of different kinds of games. Whereas you would think that's the same with Fire Emblem, but there's a much more purist element to I think like people who enjoy Fire Emblem games that if you changed just like if if it wasn't the tactics game, I don't think people would call it Fire Emblem anymore. So I, I think it, it it's it's an interesting question, and I don't think I can answer it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would still call them I would still call it a remake, if but it would probably be a subpar remake if they decided that it wasn't going to be tactics anymore. Um, whereas I don't I don't feel the same about Final Fantasy VII since Final Fantasy in general has been moving towards that ARPG um ever since seven got it and, and you know when it when it, it's a very long answer no, no, i think sorry. it's good i think it's good <laughs> when it comes down to it uh you know i think all three of these things even though there there's so many of them right now i think it's i think it's all good by me and it just comes down to a case-by-case basis you know like i i enjoy remakes in the sense of seeing a game that was you know maybe at one time highly praised but has you know, as time goes on, has become kind of obtuse. Like, it's cool to see those kind of games get a remake, so this way you can play them the way that games are currently yeah. being played. Uh, you know, and then on the same thing, like, remasters, I think I think that's neat, but at, at a certain point, like, that kind of only has, like, a certain amount of generational leaps to it. 
like no one's making Chrono Trigger remastered and just using like 2D sprites and just like making them better looking. Like that's just not happening. Like, uh, aren't they? I think they I did. I mean, yeah. Haven't they done that a few times? Like not super recently, but in the last few years. But do you guys consider those like, do you consider that like a remaster of Chrono Trigger or just like a re-release of Chrono Trigger? Like which one does that uh, fall under for you? I would consider some of the stuff they've done with Chrono Trigger remaster. Like the, I know it was a while ago now, but the DS release yeah i consider that a remaster they did add some new content and they but they also like adjusted the interface to to be a little you know a little uh less intrusive on i mean i guess because they had two screens they were able to do that but but they changed enough where i would consider that to be a remaster yeah, and they I, even and added those playstation think, one cutscenes. so that, that's right <laughs> uh even on playstation one was that i mean i guess that would be a a remaster? It would technically, right? I think, would have yeah. to be, right? It was. A, it is a remaster. I think that uh, once you get to things like Skyrim, which gets released on everything, and right, what doesn't matter which doesn't matter which generation it's on. I just keep calling those re-releases, even though I guess there was a remaster at one point. But um, yeah, the, the lines blur a little bit, but it, you just kind of go with your gut. Right. I would. I would call the the various. Uh, Chrono Trigger releases remasters because they do change art, which I wouldn't do in a in a re-release. Right. I, I, as we've been talking about this too, I've been kind of grappling with what my opinion is on what kind of of remake I like better, or like I would generally prefer for someone to do. Because I, I do think that this might just be coincidence, but but the examples. I mean, I can only really think of one right now, but I think like any time where someone does a remake where they're they're really trying to just retell the story in a new way or, or like use just like use the the source as inspiration, but change it a lot. I think like I find that to be the more ambitious choice and, and maybe there's more potential for something better because you're getting something new. But like I'm I'm thinking of Ratchet and Clank where they did that and I think it just failed because they're taking i mean i know it it succeeded and ever i know it was like a popular game i personally thought that they were taking a game that was a classic because it was so good and they tried to change so many things and make it so different that just like the odds are they've made a worse game and i and i think that that is like the 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 risk reward i feel like it's i feel like i'm more wary wary of uh a game doing that because i'm more worried that they're going to screw it up hopeful that they'll do better but then when someone does like, I'm just going to remake this game exactly the way it was with all new assets like they did with Crash Bandicoot or like they did with uh, Shadow of the Colossus where they changed very little things, kept it mostly intact. At least I know I'm getting that game, which I know there's like a problem yeah. with like you're just getting the same thing again. But now I can play it on current gen systems and it can look prettier. There, there are definitely more ways to fail with a remake than there are with a remake. Right. Because I, I was trying to come up, like decide, like, do I prefer them to just stick to the to the way it originally was and just up it and i think that's where my brain goes because i've had more good experiences with that but then if i think like more philosophically like should you just take like not try and change anything like if you can make a better game of course try but i i just think that there's it's all a big non sequitur but i just wanted to to talk about that i, I think there's more room for failure like you said 
All right, I mean, this has been a great discussion, and I, I'm not sure how much of it has to do with Donkey Kong Classics, which I think <laughs> definitely falls under the whole just, like, re-release category, and within the same within yeah. the same system that it, it debuted on, which is strange, you know? Like, <laughs> like usually a re-release at least <clears throat> happens, like, a system later or something, like you would see it on the, on the Super NES. But, uh... You know, I think we should wrap this up with our essential games list votes. So, you know, we can keep that as brief as we want, but let's get into the essential games list. Okay, Joe, since you were not on the original episode, I'd love for you to vote first. Okay, well, spoiler for my original, the original episode for either of these, uh, I would say that neither of these as standalones were essential games. Um, So I don't think putting them together makes them. Uh, it makes them essential to me. Sorry, there's not much much for me to explain there. So that's just kind of my my short and sweet uh, essential games list vote. Not essential. All right, great. And Sean? Yeah, regardless of whether these uh, individually were essential or not, uh, it would it this wouldn't be essential. Just smashing them together. So uh, my perfunctory no vote has been cast you know this was a this was a chance to redeem uh the lackluster ports of the very first famicom games you know like i think people were a little more forgiving because it was the first thing like the famicom was built to play donkey kong and now in 1988 uh you know five years later and they've chose to do nothing to change these and i get that like in terms of console games at this point, playing arcade games, like, this is a totally fine way to play Donkey Kong, but it's not even the complete version, and that's just so strange. And then to, like, to, like, have the full version of Donkey Kong Jr., but not the full version of Donkey Kong, and put them on the same cart, I, I don't really know what's going on here. It's 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 a little bizarre. So it does it doesn't get on the essential games list, but I would like to say that even if Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. weren't on the essential games list, there was a chance for a game that combines both of them, changes enough and adds in, like, some extra features as well, there's a chance to, like, make a game like that get on the essential games list. So they did squander an opportunity here. So it's not too late, though. It's not too late, Nintendo. If they want to re-release Donkey Kong Classics (laughs) 2... For the NES. For the NES, we're buying. All right. Donkey Kong All-Stars. <laughs> For anybody who made it all the way through this episode, congratulations. I, we talked about we, <laughs> yeah, we talked you. about so much, so thank you so much for listening. Next week, we have Ghostbusters. Uh, so, you know, anyone who lived through the 80s loves that movie and everything that came after it for the Ghostbusters, uh, including every single film. <laughs> they love every single film version of Ghostbusters. I've never heard of somebody that didn't. Yep. So with that in mind, we're going to look forward to playing the NES uh, Ghostbusters game next week. And you should play along, too, and listen to the episode if you can. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at NostalgiaCast. I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at, at Esposito Film on Twitter. And I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>